And it's something that um, I thought was a little bit unorthodox, but I thought it would be helpful and meaningful for us to be able to um, hopefully relate to today's message. I'm going to take you back to the year 1965. Some of you weren't born uh, in 1965. Some of you were born way after that. But I promise you, I'm going to play something for you that's going to remind you of something that's very important. So with that in mind, let's see how this works. Well, you've heard that song before, haven't you? Amen. And John Lennon and Paul McCartney wrote that song. And they wrote that song at a very special time uh, in this country. Um, We all know about the old British invasion and, and how they were one of the movements of the change of music as we understood it. But I'm not telling you that to tell you about what occurred as far as that was concerned. I'm giving you this information because um, this, of course, was a title track of the album, Help, released in 65 as a single. It was ranked number 29 on the Rolling Stones list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. So it had a huge impact. But what you need to also know is that John Lennon writing this song, he was the one who made comments about his feelings in this song, it was very um, interesting that he had chosen this song along with Strawberry Fields Forever 
as one of his most honest, genuine Beatles songs, and not just songs written to order. In other words, they tell you to write a song and you just write it. This one, he actually had an expression of how he was feeling. John Lennon was very open and honest about and direct about the song's meaning. Most people think it's just a fast rock and roll song. Subconsciously, I was crying out for help. I didn't realize it at the time. I just wrote the song because I was commissioned to write it for the movie. Well, the reason why I was a conscious cry for help, unconscious cry for help, is because he was eating like a pig. This is what he says. Eating like a pig, drinking too much, and smoking marijuana for breakfast. I don't like the recording that much, he said. We did it too fast to be try, to try to be more commercial. Now, with John Lennon's confession in an interview that sometime after he wrote this song, he had regularly performed the song, obviously. It was something that he was just doing all the time. But we're getting a rare glimpse of a personal reflection of his life at the time with his experience when he wrote the song. It was literally a cry for help. A longing for a greater understanding. His fast and party-hard lifestyle was driven by his band's meteoric success. Now, you may have noticed in the song's lyrics that he did not refer to help from a specific person. If you listen very carefully, he doesn't mention anybody by name or give any kind of reference to who it is he's actually singing to. He only stated that he appreciated someone being around and to help him get his feet back on the ground. Maybe it was because he was always high much of the time. The pressure of sudden fame and popularity was enormous. Where can one go to get help? Where can one go to get help? That's good. We'll keep thinking on that. Have you ever been in a place where all you can do is cry for help? Amen. Each one of us needs help at some point in life. Amen? It comes at a time where we, what we know is insufficient to carry us forward in a situation or a circumstance. Our knowledge is not going to get it done. What we understand is not going to get it done. John Lennon's subconscious cry for help was an effort to make sense out of where he was and perhaps where we have been too. We've been there. We've been probably where John Lennon was at some point, in some way. The good news is that when we recognize the need for a personal Lord and Savior in Jesus Christ, we have immediate help to draw upon. Immediate help. He is there for us to help us. This comes in the power of the Holy Spirit who was promised for each one of us in our game-changing, life-changing relationship with Jesus. 
Turn with me, please, to John chapter 14. Let's take a look at some verses in John chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 16 through 18. John 14, verses 16 through 18. It says in John chapter 14, starting with verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, helper, to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. How is it that Jesus comes to us? It's through the Spirit. The Spirit is the helper that he's referring to. He is our help. He is our ever-present help. Now, being a believer in Jesus is certainly wonderful because he is wonderful. Amen? Jesus is wonderful. Isaiah 9, 6 refers to him as a wonderful counselor. He is wonderful. But we also know that life moves in such a way at times that it can make events of it overwhelming. So with that in mind, here's a reminder. We sometimes need help. We sometimes need help. Some challenges are small and some are very significant. And I'm going to just put it out there for those of you uh, who should be aware. Pray for this church and pray for members of this church. And I'm not going to mention any names, but some of you know that some people are going through stuff right now that is significant. Not just little stuff, big stuff. And that's why we need to keep them in prayer and lift them up as often as it comes to mind. Pray for this church. Pray for the people of the church. But we also know, even with that, there is no challenge that a believer faces without the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Sometimes we just have to rely upon the Spirit and nothing else to get through certain situations. We may be calling out for Lord Jesus more often than we probably care to. But we call on him and we have to call on him because that's all we got. That's what we have. The spirit is our ever present help. The spirit is our ever present help. He is the helper. He's the helper that's referred to in John chapter uh, 14. He is the helper. If you call on him, he can get your feet back on the ground. Amen? If you call on him, he gets us up out of the miry clay. Amen? Amen. Let's go to Psalm chapter, Psalm 40, excuse me. Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2. We need reminders of God's goodness. How tough do you think life would be 
if we didn't have a helper. And I saw some of you shake your head because you know exactly what I'm saying. That's why I pray for your family members, like I said before, who don't know the Lord. Because they don't have this helper that we have. Those who know the Lord. It makes all the difference. Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard me heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. Sometimes I wonder if John Lennon was taking these words here and putting them in that song. Because there's a lot of similarity here to what he actually wrote and what he was calling for. He's looking for something. He's looking for someone to do what? Get his feet back on the ground. Because he was obviously struggling. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. There's no place you can be that's more secure than on a rock. Standing on a rock. Standing on that foundation. Standing on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Nothing more secure than that. And that's what we want when we're calling for help. We want security. We want security. A believer in Jesus learns very early on that the highs and lows of life are still evident. They're still there. Nevertheless, there is a great change in the life of a believer. The change is for the better. The change is for the better. The Spirit is not only our helper, He is our change agent. He's our change agent. He changes our lives couple of changes. First, the change from the old to a new creation. You know this first, but you can go to it. 2 Corinthians 5.17. He's a change agent. He wants to change you. He wants to change you for the better. Look, you know who you were before you became a believer. Amen. You need to be changed. I know I needed to be changed. So we have a before and after picture, don't we? A before and after picture we can look at when we look at what God has done for us through the power of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's a change immediately there. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's what we wanted. We knew when we accepted Christ as Savior, we wanted something different. Amen? We didn't like the way things were going before. Things were awful before. We knew we needed a change. Praise the Lord for that change. Praise the Lord for what he has done for us and what he continues to do for us. And let's talk about that. Second, an ongoing change, an ongoing life change as the spirit works from within as a testimony for Jesus Christ. 
please go to Romans chapter 12 and let's look at verses 1 and 2. We, of course, love the initial change, but we also love that how God changes us continually. He doesn't stop at any given point. He keeps doing things to keep us changing for the better. For the better. You have to see from the time you became a believer in Jesus Christ to where you are today that there has been some improvement and measurable improvement. You know, we talk in work about measure, measurables and metrics and stuff like that. You've got measurables and metrics too. You can look at your life before and after and how it's continuing to progress. There should be a measurement there. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Listen to the word transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There must be a transformation. Now we always hear about. The old Transformers. Transformers, robots in disguise. We have to have a transformation too. We are being transformed with our relationship with Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Much of Romans talks about the transformation of a believer from the very beginning of an acknowledgement of Christ's lordship. And that transformation is taking place Because of the sanctifying presence of the Holy Spirit. Sanctifying presence of the Spirit. Thank the Lord for his sanctification. We'll look into that a little bit more now. Note that the association with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit gives a believer help and ability. Write down the words help and ability because we need to see that those things do go together here with the words I'm going to be using that follow. Help and ability in three important ways that cannot be accomplished or harnessed in your own strength. You cannot do these things that I'm going to talk about here, these three things, on your own. You have to rely upon the Spirit. First, redemption. Redemption. Can you redeem yourself? Nope. Redemption. Second thing, righteousness. Are you righteousness in your own, on your own? No, you can't do anything with righteousness. Now, there are people who will say, yes, I'm righteous in my own eyes. But we lie to ourselves, amen? We lie a lot when it comes to our own righteousness. And finally, that word sanctification. Sanctification. You cannot sanctify yourself. You have to rely upon the Spirit to do that as well. So we got redemption, we've got righteousness, and we've got sanctification. Redemption comes from Jesus' character of grace and mercy. We are not redeemed unless God shows us grace and mercy. Amen? Grace and, amen? Grace and mercy. 
You do not have salvation and redemption without what? His grace and his mercy. He's having mercy on us. We don't deserve what we have. We don't deserve it. There has to be grace and mercy. His death on the cross reflects his sacrifice for all humanity, but our forgiveness of sin comes from his grace and mercy. You know how it is when somebody asks for your forgiveness, you say, no, man, I can't forgive you. Grace and mercy are absent. Absent. And I would challenge you that you would never tell someone that. If someone comes to you and asks for your forgiveness, you say, I forgive you. Amen? Forgiveness is a requirement, frankly, as a believer in Jesus Christ. It's a requirement because you always remember, what did God do for you? It doesn't mean that you accept someone else's behavior. It doesn't mean that you like their behavior, but you always forgive. You always forgive. And I got to tell you something. This is something I wrestle with every now and then with my mom. Because I didn't like everything my mom did. And yet here I am, I'm her caregiver now. So it had to come to a point for me to become a caregiver for her to say, I forgive you. And even if she can't understand that now, I have to do that for myself and for my relationship with him. And that's why you do it. That's why you do it. Please go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. You know, every, every now and then I share with you guys, sometimes just, boy, what a bunch of damaged goods he is. Well, guess what? We're all damaged goods. Amen? Yeah, if we're being really honest about who we are, you know, we're, we're damaged goods. We've, we've been through all kinds of stuff. And a lot of it wasn't pretty. And it's nothing to be proud of, but it's just the reality of who we are. But, you know, frankly, if it's, if it's okay with you, every now and then I'm going to share with you if that helps you. If that helps you, that's what I'm going to do. Ephesians 1, verses 7 through 10 is where we're going. Remember, we're talking about redemption. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his Grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. All of these things are being drawn together, including the purpose of his grace and mercy for us for all eternity. lavishly given to us. Nothing stingy about what God has done for us. Amen? 
lavish grace and mercy. One more. Galatians 2, verse 20. Galatians 2.20. The Spirit is our helper. The Spirit gives us information as we look at His Word that's helpful for us to know how wonderful He truly is. It says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The Spirit lives within you. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He gave himself for you because of his grace and mercy. You are redeemed. Amen? Redemption. You are redeemed. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And praise the Lord again. You're redeemed. The next word is righteousness. Righteousness comes only through association with Jesus. His righteousness is his very nature and character. It effectively counters our nature of the flesh. You know how you were before. You know how you are when you're in the flesh. You need the spirit to help fight the flesh. The spirit makes us righteous when we ask for forgiveness and we rely upon him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 2 Corinthians 5.21 Unfortunately, sin is something that we're all too familiar with. Amen? Amen? Y'all know. Sin is something we are well too familiar with. And Jesus knows it too. That's why he did what he did for us, because he loves us. He made us righteous righteous through our relationship with him. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Might become because you have to acknowledge Jesus Christ. That word might is an important word. It's there for everyone, but you have to take it. Amen? Words mean things. That's why you can't go too fast here. He loves us for our sake. That's the world. He made himself to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And all we have to do is do what? Acknowledge he's our Lord and Savior. In him we have righteousness. In our relationship with Jesus, we have righteousness. Now, there are some people who have gone all their lives and have danced around this thing about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Church-going folk, too. 
Until you close that gap, it's a wide gap. The last word, sanctification. Sanctification is the ongoing work of the Spirit that sets you apart from the world. And you want to be set apart from the world in how you grow. You don't want to be exactly like the world. Amen? Amen? I know y'all up now. You don't want to be like the world. You need to be different. You need to have a difference in order to reach people through Jesus Christ, showing your difference. The sanctification sets you apart so that you do stand out in the world. Stand out in a positive way. Now, of course, everyone's not going to accept that. Everyone's not going to like that, but that's not why you do it. You do it because you love Jesus Christ. The Spirit helps us to live in humility. Oh boy, that's a big word. Which suppresses the flesh and allows God to do His work through us. He works through us when we humble ourselves. He works through us when we set aside our feelings. Feelings. Facts over feelings. He works through us when we set aside how we feel about things. Please go to 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2. Second Timothy 2, verse 21. Now, you can spend hours and hours talking about sanctification. And how do I know that? Because I wrote a paper about it in school. And I want to say it was like a 20-page paper. Because you can spend a lot of time talking about sanctification. But we don't have that kind of time today. But just self-assured, rest assured, he is changing you. He is doing a work in you. He is working within you and doing things to you you never thought he could do. Verse 21 of 2 Timothy 2 says, 2 Timothy 2 says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Do you catch that? If anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Amen. Now, what do you have to do? Get yourself ready to be used by him By getting the stuff out of your life, that will be a hindrance to that. Amen? It's a self-preparation type of thing. There are things you have to cut out of your life or put aside in your life that are going to keep you from serving him to the fullest. Now, let's face it, some of us are not ready. Some of us aren't ready. Some of us aren't ready because we're not trying to be ready. 
you've got to cut some stuff out. If you want the Lord, the Lord is blessing me right now. If you want the Lord to be blessing you right now, you've got to cut some stuff out. You can sing that song all you want to. And walk out of here acting crazy. And don't expect the Lord to keep blessing you. If anything, he's blessing you by preserving you until you figure out what you're going to do. The Lord is patient. But just like anything else, patience has a measure. Don't test the Lord. Amen? Let's take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You've got to get yourself ready. Move from what is dishonorable. Be a vessel for honorable use. He wants you to set you apart as holy. He wants you to make a difference in this world. He wants you to stand out in this world. The Spirit can help you with that. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. That's a promise. That's a promise that Jesus is going to do the very thing he says he's going to do. If you put yourself out there just a little bit for him, he'll take care of the rest. He'll help you with those things that trip you up. He'll help you with those things that are dishonorable and help you to move into the honorable category. He will do those things. Now, it's just like anything else. You have to let him do those things in your life. Let him do it. If you're really seeking after him, if you're really letting the spirit work in your life, he'll do it. He's going to do it. One more. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14. Paul was having a communication with the Thessalonians. And they had been through a lot of stuff. Let's just put it that way. A lot of persecution. They were trying to stand firm in the Lord and there was all kinds of opposition. And frankly, we will face opposition too. Don't know if we'll face it like what the Thessalonians had to deal with. I hope you wouldn't. But you're going to face opposition. Because let's face it, in the world, you are very unpopular. You are very unpopular. If anybody's freedoms they want to try to take away, it's Christians. And it's not because of you, it's because of Jesus Christ. Always know where it's coming from. It's not because of you, it's because of who you represent. And Jesus had said, you're going to be persecuted. So it's not like it's a strange thing. It's not a surprise. Like, why is this happening? Well, you know why it's happening. You know why it's happening. You're not going to be popular. But you're going to stand out. And the great wonder and mystery of Jesus Christ is, through the Holy Spirit, 
he touches certain people around you and makes them pay attention to you in a good way. And that's what matters. That's what really matters. Remember what his will is. His will is for everyone to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And everybody that you know falls in that everyone category. Second, Second Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14. So even with their persecution, it says, But we, always, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Belief in the truth. In the truth, probably should have been first mentioned, but the belief in the truth is the reason why they are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It's about believing in who it is that you're going after, Jesus Christ. Believe in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know you have a calling Do you know you're called? Do you realize you're called? Do you know that everyone in this room has a purpose? You absolutely have a purpose. If you didn't have a purpose, you wouldn't be here. You have a purpose. You have a calling and a purpose. And the calling and the purpose are wrapped together. Now, kind of a controversial statement, hopefully not too controversial. You know how it is when you want to try to help somebody and they won't take it. You try to give somebody advice that's helpful and they won't take it. Well, receiving help also means being willing to accept it. So you have a Holy Spirit who dwells within you, who is your helper. But you have to be willing to be helped in order to receive the true blessing that he wants to give you. And what keeps us from wanting to accept help in general? Let's say you're trying to talk to somebody and counsel them. And you give them, after you've prayed about it and searched your heart, fantastic advice. And you come back and find out later, well, I went in the other direction. Well, okay. That's on you. You've gone in a different direction. And usually, the reason why someone goes in the wrong direction, even though they're being given sound advice, is that they think they know more than what the other person has given to them. They think they have it all figured out on their own. We just got through this whole exercise saying, you can't do this stuff on your own. Well, the Holy Spirit does the same thing to you. Holy Spirit gives you nothing but good advice. Amen? Because he's in truth, in spirit and in truth. That's how he operates. That's his character. Well, do you always take the Holy Spirit's advice? 
Don't all answer at once. We don't always take his good advice. Because we are not humbling ourselves. That's the key part of all of this. A key element that allows the Spirit to truly help you and function at an optimal level in your life is your humility. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. Now this is stuff that you have to do. Does the Lord have to break you down to the point where there's nothing left before you decide to humble yourself? Lord Jesus, I hope not. Does he have to put you on the floor prostrate? Okay, Lord. My goodness, I hope not. But we got through just saying maybe a week or so ago, some folks are hard-headed. Some folks have to be broken down a little bit. And I, I don't want to be that person. I'm not that person. I'm a big chicken. I don't want the Lord to be keep dealing with me over and over again before I get it figured out. I have to humble myself. Without a humble heart and a willingness to be taught by the Spirit, your growth can be hampered. Your growth is being hampered. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Now this actually is interesting because it's actually talking about taking good advice and listening to people who have knowledge and wisdom, the knowledge and wisdom of God because they're being trained by God to help you out. Remember we always talk about you can go to the elders and pray? Well, look at this passage here. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If someone's giving you good advice, understand something. That advice may be coming directly from God speaking to them to pass it on to you. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know. You don't know what. You're the one that needs the advice. And God's trying to teach you through different people sometimes. Understand that. And I said it already, James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. He will exalt you. If you humble yourself, you are making yourself a blank slate. Nothing is getting in the way of God helping you through the power of the Spirit. That's what you want. We have all, right on, we have all kinds of excuses as to why we don't do stuff. I'm not ready yet. It's not time yet. I don't know. It don't feel like I should. No, you have no idea. Humble yourself. Let the Lord deal with you personally. The Holy Spirit helps those who desire to grow 
in Jesus Christ and live a Christ-like existence. That's what he wants. He wants to be your helper. So redemption, righteousness, sanctification. Each of these three things are paramount of paramount importance as we mature in Christ. The Spirit helps us as He teaches us with His wisdom and knowledge. He teaches us. He wants to keep teaching you. You know how it is when you were in school, you couldn't wait for summer break. And most of us, when summer break came, we vegged out. I don't want to do nothing with school. I ain't reading no books. And don't let them give you a summer project where you've got to read a book during the summer. Oh, man. Ruin my summer. Well, we really can't take that attitude when it comes to Jesus teaching us. It's a year-round thing that he teaches us. As much as we need a break, that's probably the worst time to take one. Probably the worst time to take one. Read his word every day. Look at his word every day. He teaches us with wisdom and knowledge. He reminds us of his ever-present nature. Each of these is a constant reminder of how we are to live in the power of the Spirit on a daily basis. Amen? Do you need help? Well, it's nice to have friends. It's nice to have people you can rely upon, but they can't do for you what the Holy Spirit does. They can't do that for you. The Spirit can do it. He gives you the help that you need when you need it. Gives you the help that you need when you need it. He is our helper. Our helper. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to look to your word. Thank you for your promises. And Lord, there are things that we need to do to make sure that we are at our optimal level of looking at you, our optimal level of communication, our optimal level of understanding, that we continually ask for and seek your wisdom. We thank you that the Holy Spirit, who you've sent to us, is there at the ready and willing and able to help whenever we call upon you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for how you have redeemed us. We thank you for your sanctification. We thank you for your very presence. Lord, change our hearts. Change our hearts in that we seek after you and that we look to you. And as we think about those we've talked about today and pray for them, Lord, we just ask that you just rain down blessings upon them. Give them peace and comfort. And we give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.